Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Hello. Hey, everyone. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. Um, We're here live to chat uh, sensitive and strong-willed kids with you. Um, Some people ask us, how can you identify a sensitive or strong-willed kid? Is my kid sensitive or strong-willed? I don't know. What are the the characteristics? I say that or everyone's like, get me. Like, yes, (laughs) I have that. Yes. But I think so obvious to me. Some folks are on the fence a little bit, you know, and I love it. It was like some folks Mm -hmm. are like, no, I know. Sensitive. (laughs) Yes. Strong-willed or yes. You know, or all of the things. Or just kid is being or feeling challenged by my kid. Right. I'm listening to my kid right now. Oh, laughing, crying. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. He's struggling a little bit with the fact that we're in here. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how far we get. We haven't been having like a regular Q and A situation. So I think it's a little, a little much, um, tonight, but it feels good to be back, back in live, back on the podcast. We've missed you all so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Deb said a hundred percent both, but more strong willed for sure. And Amy said, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think so much of, of what we talk about is giving parents uh, just permission to to be the ones with the child on the playground who pushes or who runs away, mm-hmm. right? Or who uh, won't share, right? Mm-hmm. We give permission to the parent who suggests, oh, let's go somewhere fun. And their kid's like, no, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to go to the zoo. Or every place you go that's fun isn't fun. It's actually really it's hard. hard. Yeah. It's actually like, what? It's the beach. What? It's the zoo. It's a birthday it's party. Camping. It's a birthday party. Right. It's, you know, everything you can hike. You can imagine this will be the thing that brings us together as a family. And, and it's full of challenges for us because our kids are doing what they need to do. And we struggle with that based on our cultural conditioning, based on our lack of skills. Mm-hmm. Based on all those things, See, the idea is it's so much of what we're reconciling in these mm-hmm. live Q and A's and in our guides and in our small group show up and grow up coaching sessions um, is helping folks and ourselves reconcile the the ideas we had about who our kids mm-hmm. would be and who we would be as parents with the realities of who our kids are and how we're currently showing up. And we can't change who our kids are. And so, so much about the work we do is accepting that, finding ways to, to find humor and grace and love, right? In the, in that child and Mm -hmm. in those uh, challenges, but so much about it too, is recognizing the work we can personally do. Uh, That's why we say show up and grow up with what we're bringing to the table, how we're adjusting our expectations, how we're challenging 
our beliefs and cultural conditioning to say, this isn't a problem based on my child, what I'm seeing here. It's a problem based on the culture that I'm living in that tells me (laughs) this is wrong, that my body tells me not okay, right? Yeah, it's so hard. And I think that it's not just trying to reconcile those things and accept those things and grow up just in our homes and not just for that purpose of Mm -hmm. our family connection and growth, but also beyond that. We talk about the sanity and social change aspect where we can acknowledge our privilege in being cis, straight, able-bodied white women talking about this stuff and working on this stuff and that being a privilege and that also being a responsibility Mm -hmm. to be talking about this stuff, to be making this part of our work in dismantling oppressive systems the family, other institutions, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of working against a lot of that cultural conditioning we mentioned earlier that says dominate, oppress, coerce, coerce control. all those things and saying, how can we set those toolboxes aside and those, those institutional frameworks aside and find something that actually teaches our kids what we want them to learn and right. feel so much better, right? Powers <clears throat> beyond control. So that's what we're talking about. My son needs me to come say goodnight really quick. I'll be right back. Okay. How's everyone doing tonight? Let us know what's going on for you. We have a few uh, Q&As that we've been meaning to get to, um, DMs that we received. Um, and But we'd like to know, those of you who are here um, on the Instagram Live, let us know what's been challenging lately with your kids' big feelings, challenging behaviors, and usually around what meal times, bed times, um, school time, um, partner related stuff, park time, friend time, sibling time, hygiene time, all of those times when I think that we can so easily feel like this should be a lot easier than it is right now. Why are they making this so difficult and hard for me? Um, That's what we like to talk about. That's what we like to work on reframing, right? Our mindset and our beliefs, reapproaching, right? With, as Kelty said, powers beyond control, the powers beyond control that we use um, at Upbringing um, are based in research and uh, the foundations of nonviolent communication. And we call that our resist approach. So you can download that on our website if you're new to Upbringing or if you've like, it's been a while and you're like, what's that resist approach again? So when it's easy for us to instinctually use our control toolbox, which is like based on our cultural conditioning, we're gonna resist that and use the resist approach instead that teaches the powers that we actually want to instill in our kids. So the resist approach stands for R, respect, E for empathize, S for sync up, I for innovate, S again for um, summarize, and T for trust. So those are the tools that are based in that approach um, that help us move through a challenge a little more adaptively with skills that weren't necessarily taught to us. So that's why the resist approach, you're like, wow, I'm teaching this to my kid and I'm also fucking learning it at the same time. That's how it's meant to be. That's okay. We're all in this together. We're all growing up together. So that's what we're going to be applying to the questions we have tonight is our resist approach, our beliefs, all of that stuff. Yeah. Hi. How's everyone doing? How you doing? Okay. Good. 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 Got some people written in here. Let's see. And we have a couple DMs to, to address. I also. mentioned that. Okay. Yeah. So Amy says, how to handle grandma thinking my son hitting when he's dysregulated is disrespectful. I tried to explain to her about executive functioning and modeling, but she just doesn't get it. I asked her if, and I think you're going to keep writing in here, Amy. Sorry, we missed. That's so hard. I think it's something that 
gosh, a lot of us have <clears throat> folks in our family who are struggling to get on board a little bit with our new parenting approach mm -hmm. or this current parenting approach, whatever it is, or who are struggling to not just feel triggered by our kids' um, challenging behaviors and big feelings. And I think a lot of us can identify too with just having those feelings ourselves, right? It's on the back <laughs> of all of our right. minds. That's so disrespectful. <clears throat> I'm trying to support it. That's when so our kids disrespectful. are doing those things. Yeah. It feels so disrespectful. And I think that maybe yeah. that's something that you can lean into with your mother-in-law and saying, I'm sorry, that does. It feels so disrespectful. Well, and Amy said, you know, she truly, this grandma truly believes that her son will grow up to hit her as an older child. And she said she didn't know. It was so hurtful. And I trust him, but she doesn't. Mm -hmm. Right? This mom trusts her child to grow out of this hitting phase. She knows it's developmental. She knows it's based in the prefrontal cortex he's currently building, lack thereof, right? Mm -hmm. That goes and sends him the lack into <laughs> dysregulation brain. so much more easily, right? And that with her sensitive attunement and uh, presence in the moment, and then with that post-processing she's going to do, mm -hmm. setting him up for success, emotion coaching, all of the stuff we talk about in our resist approach, that will do the work. But it's really hard for a lot of folks to trust in that process. Mm -hmm. And we it's really easy to think we got to crack down. And based on that belief of kids learn by fear and control and coercion or punishment shame. Shame. <clears throat> feeling shitty about themselves there's no way he's going to learn unless he realizes and is told how disrespectful that is right but it's a little bit behavioral focus a little cart before the horse mm -hmm. right it's I a little disrespectful to him you know? i would even go it's, so far i would as even to say. just say it's generally very unproductive mm -hmm. because telling a child that it's disrespectful what they're doing isn't teaching them anything, but just feeling crappy about the best <clears throat> that they can do in this moment. Mm -hmm. And so, so much about what Amy's doing with her son is saying, I'm actually productively supporting him, but it's hard for people to believe that it's hard to see that. And I think that I love that Amy went for it with this grandma and was like, I'm going to try and explain, you know, the prefrontal cortex or executive functioning, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, I mean, what else are we going to do? But just Try to find comfort in the discomfort of someone struggling to reconcile again what's and, going on, what they're seeing. Yeah. You know, and in those moments, too, different way. potentially needing to advocate for our son mm -hmm. um, and say and and be that buffer yeah. for those people who are like, you can't talk to me like that, little man, or I feel disrespected when you say that. We've even struggled with our parents who yeah. who are on board and get it, who still come to us and say you know, your daughter had kind of a tone with me. So I said, I don't talk to you that way. Right. So I would appreciate it if you don't talk to me that way. They're taking it personally and that, still. And that sounds so like yeah. good. That's that's better than yeah. yelling or, or overtly shaming. But it's still saying, this is not okay with me. I don't really care what's below it. I don't care what's really going on for you. And I'm just, I'm feeling a little fragile and defensive at you, pint-sized person with tiny-sized brain, expressing in your developmentally normal, right. totally adaptive way. Mm -hmm. It's hard to watch though. And it's hard to be that person having to advocate for our kids in those what? moments or circle back later and say, Oh, grandma seemed a little frustrated <laughs> when you were struggling earlier. I'm so sorry that happened. Or I'm right. so sorry. She said that. Yeah. I think so much about mm -hmm. these moments with when our family were parenting in the wild and family or friends or strangers chime in is that is saying like, Oh my God, in that moment, I have another child. <laughs> in my midst <laughs> and I have to somehow I don't have the same responsibility to parent this adult as I do my child and advocate them for them mm -hmm. like you were saying Kelsey mm -hmm. but I can also show up in a way that 
isn't trying to, again, cognitively convince them <clears throat> of what I'm doing, but to just, again, create, like we want to do with our kids, create security around an uncomfortable situation mm -hmm. for everybody. And if the most we're doing is creating co that comfort and security for ourselves and our child, great. Yeah. If it helps that other person feel a little more comfortable, comfortable to a place where they could maybe uh, look at what's going on, think about what's going on, mm -hmm. take that information in, great. I think, but yeah, otherwise, thinking it's not about a job. In those big moments of feelings, whether it's our kid or our mother-in-law, downshift. Yes. Oh, you're feeling disrespected. Mm. I'm so sorry that happened. Oh, that's yes. so interesting. You yeah. wish that he talked to you differently or you didn't like those words. That was oh. hard for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah we're I, we're I working that. on that. We're working on that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a long game, right? It's a long game, this child development stuff. So much research out there now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of wild. Mm -hmm. Man, I didn't get away with that stuff either when mm -hmm. I was growing up. I'm so with yeah. you on that. Oh, yeah. But he is. So. <laughs> Bia Deer says, sibling stuff, guys, the, <clears throat> the emotions seem to spike so quickly and so intensely. Mm. All of our energy goes into chilling everybody out. We never seem to make it to any problem-solving steps for next time. Oh, sure. I so get that. And I love that this parent is saying, my focus isn't teaching in the moment and problem-solving in the moment, but saying, let's just chill this out. Mm -hmm. Can we make our primary goal in those moments of sibling Presence. distress or a child... Um, kind of dysregulated, throwing things, biting, fighting, hurting, destroying, mm -hmm. big feelings, whatever it is. Can we make our primary goal de-escalation? Mm -hmm. Great. Using our presence, our attachment, our mm -hmm. vibe, our mood, our influence is so big in those mm -hmm. moments. Our kids look to us, right? If we're able to be that calm. When yes. we can. <laughs> Can't be all the times. I think so much too, you're mentioning the word energy, mm -hmm. emotions and intensity and energy. And I think that so much about this is thinking, gosh, like so often the reason our kids, uh, big feelings spike is because they have energy in their bodies. They have stress in their bodies and they need to get it out. And so when a sibling takes away a toy or mm -hmm. says something, whatever, or closes a door that ignites the energy that needs to be getting out. Like you said, it spikes so quickly and intensely. Right. Yeah. And I think that is just their brains naturally, but it's also just when they have those layers upon layers of of stressors from the day or from the week or from the month, from the fucking pandemic, mm. it has to come out, right? And so then they have a really wonderful outlet, which is one another, yay, it's so mm. tricky. Or us, chosen and lucky. Sure, but I think so much about it is saying, okay, it's okay, it's natural, it's normal, it's necessary that kids are gonna take their stress out on one another, they're gonna experiment with power, they're gonna project their stuff on each other, but also what can we do with that energy? Maybe not just in the moment to help deescalate, like Kelty said, mm -hmm. in that presence, but also in that preparation, that earlier moment, what can to we be doing out. to support mm -hmm. them and help them get that stress and energy out of their body? So I'm wondering what kind of uh, nervous system regulation, uh, sensory diet or, or exercises or things you have for your kids to help them get what they need to feel safe in their bodies enough that they're not taken by surprise <clears throat> with their emotions or they're not taken by surprise with all of the acute, the stressors that have been piling up. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if that could help. So that could be doing a dance party before you leave them to make dinner. That could be um, getting home from school <clears throat> and making them kind of run a little obstacle course or not making them, but inviting them to. Yeah, creating a little obstacle course. Mm -hmm. That could be doing a tug of war thing before... Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you all sit down for dinner before those tricky moments where fighting will maybe end up happening. We know yeah. the pattern. We see the things happening. We're like, fuck, it's that time mm -hmm. in the morning or, oh, it's mm -hmm. that later time after 
on the weekend when mm-hmm. something happens. Yeah, or pre-car ride can get mm-hmm. everyone doing jumping jacks or somersaults or grab their hands and do the spinneroo a bunch of times. Get that vestibular input to help calm their nervous systems and balance them a little bit. Yeah. And I think that when you're talking about having no time, it feels like to problem solve for next time in those moments, you're working on the chilling and working on the de-escalating. We yeah. always have the circle back. Yeah. Right. Always. The circle back is our superpower because we're going to lose our shit. We're going to work on de-escalating more than we are on problem solving, or we're going to sweep it all under the rug and struggle. And we're going to need a moment later Mm -hmm. to do, we posted today earlier today, the circle back versus the grill back, right? Mm -hmm. When, when we have conflict with our kids, what did we all experience? Did we, were our parents just kind of like pretend it didn't happen? That's one option grill back about it. We need to talk about a choice he made earlier. It did not feel good for me. And here's the impact. And that's not okay. And all the reasons, I think a lot of us had that feeling. And then there's the circle back, which is trying to basically recondition a traumatic or kind of disorienting or stressful moment to say, Oh, that was hard. Oh, I'm so sorry. I yelled or, Oh, when you were struggling, this happened. And then this happened. We're painting the picture and saying, safe, 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 safe. So you want to come back and examine choices you made, not mistakes. So you're building awareness of what happened. And we're trying to say there's safety here and examining that and connecting through it. We often begin it with an apology, even if it's about siblings. I'm so sorry. I was, I couldn't get to you guys in time before you hit your brother or before you got that thing in the eye or whatever it is. I was in the kitchen and I didn't realize it. I'm sorry that I couldn't be there. That you guys struggled so hard. That must have been really tricky, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Someone said, uh, oh, you dear, literally just started reading about a sensory diet. Yes, that makes total sense. Setting them up for success as much as possible beforehand. Yes. And setting them up for success too to... To, for them to know, so when things go sideways, when you're needing to set a boundary and get space, where do you go? So that you're not having in the moment to be like, go to your room and you do this. If people need space or separation, mm-hmm. have your game plan ready too. have your, you know, safe word and your, you know, whatever it is. Um, someone else said, Ick, I just realized I do the grill back all the time. That's okay. That's okay. We all we, grew up with the grill back. Like our part two teaching. Teaching, yeah. We taught in the moment, which was also probably grilling, maybe shaming, maybe yeah. punishing, maybe sure. making our kids feel not that great about what was going on for them. And then we bring it up another time to be like, no, I really need to reinforce this teaching. Mm-hmm. They really need to know they can't X, Y, Z. I'm going to double down on that shame. Right. Yeah. And I think that it all stems from this belief that our kids need to learn from our words and our censure and our correction and our control from feeling unsafe, as opposed yeah. to kids learn from the feeling of safety and connection and debriefing mm-hmm. in a collaborative, cooperative comfortable space mm-hmm. in the moment and after the moment about the best times we've learned you know in mm-hmm. our in our past and as adults now oh, sure not being like stressing the oh gosh out. Like, if i get like a message like, from someone being like we need to talk i'm like oh god what did i do like i don't even, even know what i if i did something wrong but i have that knee-jerk shame response of like i'm in trouble for something but even just thinking of like taking you're taking like an embroidery class mm-hmm. or you're taking you know, a cooking class, you're taking uh, programming or something and like learning a new sport or something. something. And you're, if your teacher, professor, or mentor was making you feel like shit all the time, how well would you be learning and focusing? How well would you be feeling about yourself and this relationship and this 
um, this new endeavor, this new educational opportunity. It would suck. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep thinking that our kids are on this educational journey and that we are their mentors. So we want to remember and be a little considerate about how we're educating, right? Based on the fact that they learn by the way we teach, right? Yeah. We're not ignoring them. We're not abandoning them. And we're also not cracking down thinking that teaching them through uh, shame and punishment fear. And, and fear is, is effective because it's not, not yeah. as much as, um, you know, the connection approach, right? Yeah. But that's the big <clears throat> myth in parenting. We all walked in being like, Oh, I'm good. First of all, I'm gonna have a golden retriever puppy of a child. I'm pretty sure I can choose their temperament and it's fine. And it's not going to challenge mm -hmm. me and it's going to be great. But then second of all, Oh, I have this trusty toolbox of control, which doesn't work on non golden retriever lab puppies. I don't know where this like dog metaphor is going, but <laughs> we've got some pit bull, Australian shepherd, chihuahua energy going with our kids. They're sensitive. They've got lots of needs. They're very open to communicating those needs. They're fierce. They're fiery, right? They're incredible. Yeah. Right. And so not only, did it, not only did our kids and the type of people they are potentially blindside us, their temperament, their spirit, all these things, mm -hmm. but we're unequipped, we're ill-equipped to deal with them because we think that the way that we have to teach is through control, is through um, coercion, mm -hmm. is through correction. And that's just like our <clears throat> cultural understanding is that's how you do it. Yeah. And that's what's so cool is learning. Mm -hmm. That research is now showing that we don't have to do that stuff. It's like such a weight off our shoulders. We don't have to oh. experience it again by doing it. Yeah. Think about that. What a gift it is to our kids and to us. Totally. Um, Be a dear said the circle back again. They're so sweet and cuddly, the kids. They're so ready to talk about their feelings. But when I get to shift into innovate, what could we do next time? They're like, well, we're good now, mom. Bye. Mm -hmm. So they're feeling a little sensitive about oh, feeling sure. pressure. What could we do? And I love that you're noticing that and can think maybe the innovate and what could we do next time is on me. Mm -hmm. So setting them up for success in a different way or doing mm -hmm. whatever. And instead of putting a, a question out to them, which I love that idea, but maybe it's feeling a little too pressure. Or it could be what can I do next time? Instead it of could what be, could we or it could be what could time. I do. Yeah. Or it could say, I wonder. So mm -hmm. I wonder is another great term that you could say. I wonder if we get our bodies exercised um, mm -hmm. a little earlier, that could work. Or I wonder if you set your Lego project up high on the shelf, that could keep it away. Mm -hmm. Or I wonder if you said, I need some space that might let your sister know that, you know, cause she might not understand the screaming like, oh. the same way. Yeah. So I wonder is a really good term that can kind of bridge that a little bit. But I think that yeah. if our kids aren't feeling it, that's okay too. Yeah. If that's as far as you can get, that's fine. <laughs> Amazing. Sometimes, I mean, the most we can do is just say we're sorry. And then they're like, I'm out of here. And you're like, okay, like, good talk, good talk. Sounds good. We just, yeah. we just uh, built some skills there. They sat for like two seconds. This is a long game again, yeah. right? Betsy said, my son is so much like me, full of fire. So I find myself reacting the way I was reacted to. It's hard oh, yeah. to unlearn. Oh, so many intricate neural connections and so mm -hmm. much practice happening for sure. Yeah, I think... And sometimes people are like, you know, what's hard about parenting is my child is so different from me. Like, seriously, it's like, I'm very sensitive and quiet and they're like so boisterous and, and loud. And it's just, I just, this is the problem of my parenting is I can't connect to that. And then we have a parent right next to them being like, no, I am the same as my child. And that's the problem. It's, it's painful. I'm exactly the <laughs> same. And I'm being triggered about all the same things. And, and there's basically, you know. There, there's no way out. It's all triggering. It's mm -hmm. all challenging us. It's challenging our beliefs. It's challenging our, our history, our current mm -hmm. temperaments and needs. 
It's okay mm -hmm. if our kids are the same as us. It's okay if our kids are different than we are. Mm -hmm. Both are an invitation to grow up alongside them and be building skills oh. regardless. All oh, similarities and differences. Yeah, all amazing access points for uh -huh. sure that grow us both. And mm -hmm. Bia Deer said, yes, totally. I wonder, using mm -hmm. that phrase, I think I want them to feel this strong ownership over what happened, right? Mm -hmm. But obviously they're not, and that's okay. And they might be feeling so much ownership over what happened that that's why they can't decide what to do next. Because they're like, it might even oh feel God, like, I know I did this too thing. much pressure. Ooh. And so, and wanting them to feel ownership, mm -hmm. that's something that they will grow over time in a like intrinsically motivated, yeah. I mean, uh, from the inside out kind of way. That comes so don't up, worry about it. It comes up a lot in our yeah. uh, small group coaching though. The question, what about accountability? They gotta learn. They gotta know. They Next gotta be time. accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. And I think accountability is wonderful. But like you said, Hannah, it's developed over time intrinsically, mm -hmm. not mom accountability, not external accountability, not yeah. sib accountability, but personal accountability mm -hmm. comes from the feeling inside just like i'm sorry i was wrong i need help i don't know all of these feelings have to be real and true to our kids we can't say you don't know you need help you were wrong right all those things have to come from the inside out mm -hmm. and so we get to be instead of that person that says here's what you need or here's what you did wrong or here's how i need you to be now we get, we have to figure out this plan about how whatever it's it is. Be, we can just right. say, here's what I noticed. How are you feeling about it? Let's talk about it. Let's make it safe. Let's make it open. So that this can be a place that we can continue to explore and grow together. Instead of feeling <clears throat> crap about our brains and what they do to our actions and our impulses. Yeah. I think we're just grossly underestimate the abilities uh, of kids to mm -hmm. read between the lines yeah. And to, we think you have to like drill it down. Hammer, 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 hammer. Like, my husband and I are always just like, why do the first pilot episodes of TV shows have to be like, hit you over the head with the plot <laughs> and be so basic where they're explaining it. All the exposition is just so obvious yeah. and it's just, it's annoying and it, it makes you feel like insulted that they would do it that way. Why mm -hmm. can't they be more nuanced? Why can't they have more questions and more trust in your knowledge, trust in and yeah. your ability to move forward and, and want to know more together? Yes. Yeah. And, and I think so much about that. I, I think about with my kids where they don't mm -hmm. need to be hit over the head with the obvious facts of all mm -hmm. the things. It might actually repel them. Mm -hmm. That's why I stopped the Adam project. <laughs> so someone said morning routine equals meltdowns. We keep things pretty simple to avoid stressing out a sleepy four-year-old, but it feels like walking on eggshells. Mm. Oh man. We love talking about sleep and Morning sensitivity routines. and that transition of yeah. not just going to sleep, but waking up and how that can be really tricky. A lot of kids wake up like Hannah's kids, like little yeah. kittens, and they just want to snuggle and they're so happy and they, they wake up late and they're just like, oh, and they're not really hungry. Just, they I'm just good. kind of hang I'll out just be read. here. And then other people's kids or my kids come in, it's like full on zombie attack or yeah. as babies, it was full on screaming, just like ugh, their Super nervous sensitive. systems really struggled to balance between sleepfulness and wakefulness. And that's a totally normal thing. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're reducing, this person is reducing stressors demands. and demands. I think so often in the mornings mm -hmm. we think it's just the morning. Why can't they just do? It's a fresh start. Well, we're starting at zero, this, right? This, 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 <laughs> this, this. Oh gosh, that is kind of a lot of things that I'm putting on their plate that they need to do. Those yeah. aren't just like responsibilities and, and steps in the morning. They're hurdles mm -hmm. to a child who's easily overwhelmed by transitions. 
or by leaving and separating the same way bedtime feels to a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. And in the morning, oh mm -hmm. gosh, we've got a lot of ones oh, here to boy. catch up on. Also in the morning, a lot of things, um, a lot of things to, uh, to, to do that are hard on the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So even just going from like the warm bed to the cold bedroom, mm -hmm. just going from, you know, um, being cozy next to you to having to be in a, on a chair to eat yeah. breakfast, like then having to put toothbrush in your mouth, having to get undressed and then getting dressed. There's so many nervous system stressors that happen in the morning on the morning routine. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to even think about it. It's even from going to dark to light. When you think about our kids' nervous systems, especially know, the sensitive ones. But then we're like, tricky. God, you're so sensitive. Just, just get, prima donna. Just get with it. I want to just like make you more resilient. So I'm going to tear the blinds up and be like, get out of bed. Just get dressed. And why that, are you being so high maintenance? Right. That is not how resilience is built. No. So let's, let's talk on that a little bit. I think so much about the morning routine when it's tricky for kids is, is helping them just focusing instead on, instead of what we want them to be doing. Instead, our expectations focusing mm -hmm. on what they can currently handle and why and helping them learn about their own nervous system so that they can innovate around those mm -hmm. so when my son realized he could get dressed under the covers in the morning because he was so cold averse he would get dressed right away it was no problem whatsoever yeah. right there's so many little things we can figure out based on our observations mm -hmm. and when we actually lean into a conversation like the resist approach conversation to be like What's your concern? What's going on for you? Where's this yeah, resistance coming from? I'm hey, honoring hey, it. Hey, little sleepy four-year-old. It seems like yeah. mornings have been really hard. I'm like walking on fucking eggshells. This is yeah. so hard. How's it been for you? Do you feel like there's anything that's too much? What's feeling hard for you? If we can't put that together based on their behavior and their meltdowns and their stuff, what can I do to help you feel better? Can we roll out of bed and we do like five minutes of quality mm -hmm. time to fill your cup? And the clothes are right there, so I'm dressing you while you're on my lap, right? Mm -hmm. Can I can I innovate a little bit around bringing you into the kitchen to collaboratively make whatever it is, or setting you up with a book that's <laughs> that's reading to you while I make the food, which I then segue you to the table mm -hmm. after. What's your body needing? Is yeah. it needing more warmth, more mm -hmm. more physical closeness, more mm -hmm. pressure, more space, mm -hmm. more light? Helping our kids understand themselves so that they're not 20, 30, 40 years old being like, I hate mornings. I'm a terrible morning person when mm -hmm. they could just have figured out what they needed and their mm -hmm. bodies needed in the mornings. Right. Yeah. And this is a, a related question. Someone says my strong willed seven-year-old needs a hundred percent of my attention to get through things he doesn't want to mm -hmm. all fine. Um, but I have a four-year-old and a two and a half year old and I feel like I'm always begging. Yeah. And I'm wondering what more. types of things Begging them to play in the other room so mm. I can deal with him. Okay. Or worse, watch TV so I can help him. So much yeah. mom guilt around not helping my seven-year-old enough and ignoring the littles. Oh, yeah. No so hard. hard. No typos, yeah. Absolutely. No problem at all. Mm -hmm. I think so much is being like, well, we have this idea in our minds, like the older kids should require the least amount of work and the younger kids they should require the They need to pull their weight. Work. They need to just do the things. Right. Yeah. And I think so much is realizing, no, 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 age has nothing to do with it. It's not even physical readiness based on whether they can technically do things by mm -hmm. themselves. It's the emotional readiness part. And there's mm -hmm. some reason why they're needing more support. And again, how can we prepare them and set them up for success, right? How can we be their buddy and say, you and me, babe, mornings, oh, so Dude. hard. Or evenings, oh, that's when I feel like you're struggling a lot. I'm trying to get your your little sibs to do their own thing because I'm just, I'm all about and I'm trying to be about you and we're allying over your connection knees. is strong. Cause I give a shit. Right. Right. 
And then we can always go to the younger ones. Sometimes your older sibling struggles. I'm so sorry I can't be there to help you guys sometimes because they're needing me. Mm. Oh, we all have so many needs. Sometimes you're needing things. Sometimes they're needing things. Right. So I work I'm to get them things. situated and set up. And I think so much about this too is about just accepting that uh, maybe one of our kids, maybe even the oldest one that we expect should be taking on the most is needing us the most. And that's just their temperament that they're maybe, you know, play independently less, mm -hmm. um, less frequently that they, uh, want to be close to us and talking to us more often. Mm -hmm. That can make it really hard when we have younger kids. And that's With also just too. the yeah. way it is. We can do so much work in preparation mm -hmm. at the beginning and the rest we have to accept and work with and find a way to deal with. Yeah. And if we're serving one kid's needs, that does not mean we're failing the other kids. So much about having multiple siblings, which mm -hmm. we, we talk in our baby course and our mm -hmm. small group coaching so much is saying their needs not being met is an opportunity in itself. If we're doing the best we can, mm -hmm. it's the best we can. And then we can always process with them later, like you said, Kelty, yeah. and create awareness around it. And that's how resilience is met, not by never allowing our kids to experience disappointment or frustration yeah. or needs that aren't being met in the moment, but by helping them understand and process mm -hmm. that situation that happened. Is that like something that we can do? And something we talk about in the Right From The Start Baby course, which yeah. we're going to be promoting soon, but like needs, baby. Yeah, that's it. Like, how can we start talking about needs, whether you have one kid, whether you have 20 step kids, whether you have three kids, whether you have a baby and two twins, whatever it is, how can we begin these conversations about needs? Mm -hmm. Any conflict is a conflict between needs and strategies to meet those needs. Yeah. You wanted this and he wanted this. Oh, you were needing more of this and I couldn't give that to you. Mm -hmm. Right? Like we said earlier, we're creating safety, 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 and normalizing people have opposing needs. It's creating a sense of diversity in our home, a sense of inclusion and, and ability to have differing needs and that being okay and acknowledgement of everyone's diverse needs mm -hmm. and acceptance of their challenges and acknowledgements of their struggles. It's all good. And I think we've been conditioned to think oh, differing needs, failure. Mm -hmm. If my kids have needs that I can't meet, I'm failing. If one has needs and the other one loses out, failing. All these things. And it's not. It's all okay. It's all okay if we can't meet our needs, if we can't meet our kids' needs. We're going to come back to the drawing board. We're going to circle back and love on all of those situations that felt like shit or that we lose, lost yeah. our shit about. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And someone, they said, how to prepare a kiddo for a different morning. So normally he plays all morning before mm -hmm. school, but every once in a while we have an appointment or something and go straight to school. Today I did not prepare him and it did not go well. Yeah. yeah. Those things happen. Totally. Like I have those mornings myself oh my where I'm gosh. like, shit, and I'm not preparing myself. <laughs> but as our kids um, age and get a little bit more flexible, I've noticed that too with mine where I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't, Hannah got her hair done yesterday. Mm. And so I ended up picking up all four kids from school. And my daughter was like, mm. you didn't tell me this was happening, that I was getting in Nani's car. So no, like just because you disrespected me by not pulling me in on this. I was like, we're going to frozen yogurt. Uh -huh. Like, what do you mean? And she was like, frozen yogurt. But you didn't tell me. And I think in those moments, we have to love and honor and respect the fact that our kids are demanding that honesty and that, that or openness from us. Yeah. Respect. But there are those times that we can't give it. And those are the perfect yeah. moments too, to say, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't tell you, or I forgot to tell you, or I thought I mentioned it, or I know I mentioned it and you just weren't listening and that's okay too. And for our younger kids who can't mm -hmm. tell us those things, they show us those things. Oh, they sure. say, I'm four and I'm just not going to get out of the house. No, we're not going to mm -hmm. do those things. 
And I think that the best way to prepare our kids when we're doing something that's a little different is to mention it, Mm -hmm. is to draw it, is to play it if we can, right? Mm -hmm. To bring them in on it. I think that to talk about the the plan a little bit, not in a pressure filled way, but in an amusing kind of way. How do we do it in a non-pressure filled, more amusing way? And I think that naturally we've been conditioned to say, just go through the door and be like, so I need to tell you this, tomorrow's going to be different. So I'm just going to go straight through and explicitly say, tomorrow's going to be changed, but it's going to be fun, but you're going to love it, but it's going to be all right. And that makes our kids be like, oh, no, that down hatches absolutely no to this thing. And I think that what you're trying to not at Hannah is the nuance of saying, so I just wanted to float something out there. And we're like, maybe nearby they're playing or something where they can be listening. I was just thinking about doctor's appointments and we actually have one coming up. Is it tomorrow in a couple days? I wonder how Dr. Yeah. Rose Boom is. That's oh, so funny. Oh, I haven't thought of her. And I, we just made the appointment. I, yeah. I, I, I may have told you last week, but mm-hmm. it's tomorrow. So Yeah, it's yeah. tomorrow. So I thought we could figure yeah. out a good time and, and to go. And they're like, no. And you're just like, totally. Oh, that that we haven't been there for a while. I'm hearing you say that. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if she still has those little stickers that she used to give you. Do you remember those? And you used to like put them on my nose and my shirt and my things. And they're like, no. Maybe my kids would still be like, be like, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're still figuring that out. Drop it. Mm -hmm. Bring it up a little bit later. Not remember we're going to the doctor or I'm giving you a warning. Remember tomorrow this thing's happening, but I'm just going to work it into conversation. Hey, Papa. So I was talking about the schedule with everyone and we're trying to figure out a little bit of what we can do after I was thought maybe we can meet at a park. Maybe we can meet for a little bit of frozen yogurt after our appointment. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what after appointment? Okay. But I heard frozen yogurt before that. Interesting. Okay. Right. So we're kind of holding it in and we're building building a little bit. I think so much about it is like when they hear like something's going to be different, they still can't piece together. Their brains can't sequentially order what's going to happen. What does that mean? Unsafe. And they're just like, what the fuck? No, I'm going to say no to that. And I think so much about even having like a two, three, four year old where you're like the routine is different and they want to be playing and spending Mm -hmm. the same amount of time they have in the morning as they normally do. But this day we have to be moving out sooner. I think that instead of just saying it's going to be the normal routine, but I'm going to squish it more, which could be tricky. Mm -hmm. You may just want to create a completely different routine that morning and say, we're throwing the normal routine away. And today's doctor day. Doctor And we're getting out immediately. We're not doing breakfast at the table. We're Mm -hmm. getting Starbucks on the way. We're getting something else. Or we're bringing breakfast with Mm -hmm. us so that there isn't the same routine that's going to help them feel safe in something that they can't even have. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And we're going to create a new early leave the house routine. And and then we'll apply that every time. Break them into that too. So if tomorrow has to be a little different, not all different, but just, you know, the one appointment, what can we do that would be fun that went with it? Do you want to just do breakfast somewhere else? Should we go to a different park? Should we just like chuck the script for our normal day and try something new? What can we do? Mm -hmm. Working theory farm. Oh, from YWay. Love you too. Thanks for that message. Mm-hmm. What can we do, right? Mm-hmm. And then those moments when we didn't prepare them and all those things happen, that's okay too. And we can apologize and say, I thought I told you. Or, you know, oh, I wish, I wish I I'd given you. you more heads up. Oh, this is so hard. When things get mixed up or changed up and we don't know, it's really tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, Betsy. She says, my middle spicy one works so hard to regulate and is getting better, but often loses it when his four-year-old sister's off the handle. He ends up screaming at her to stop screaming. And then everyone ends up crying. That's so hard. 
I know my daughter will do that. She's eight to her six year old brother. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're making him. it worse. Like you're mm-hmm. adding bitch. Like mm-hmm. this is so hard. Why are you making this worse? And it's the same reason our kids scream and regulate on one another and try to like control one another. Mirror neurons. We do because we're not feeling comfortable. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think so much is just accepting the fact that we got those mirror neurons. The the energy is contagious. That even if we're trying to work on ourselves, think how hard it is for us as parents to stay cool Mm -hmm. when our kids are losing it. Like a six-year-old or seven-year-old or eight-year-old or 10-year-old cannot and should not be responsible for holding it together when one of their siblings is losing it. Mm-hmm. They are, are susceptible. They are vulnerable. We have to think of it that way, right? They should not be perfect in those moments as much as we'd want them to be. So mm-hmm. I would say just being like, oh gosh, you know, mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's, that was too loud for you. You want the screaming to stop. Mm-hmm. And I tend to be like, Especially in the car, this happens. I say, why are you screaming? You're making it worse. And then I'm screaming and making it worse. So we're literally adding insult to injury Mm -hmm. on so many layers upon layers. Mm -hmm. We can't control what our kids are going to do in reaction and response to one another. All we can control is ourselves. So we got to keep our cool as best we can. So we don't add, Mm -hmm. we deescalate like Kelsey said in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then later, oh, if we're not in the car in a place like that, we can work with our older (laughs) child to say, Oh my gosh, in those moments when you're really struggling with your kid, with your sister screaming or crying or whatever, mm-hmm. what can you do? Can you get some space? I think oftentimes our kids are taken by surprise like we are and they're just paralyzed in the spot and then lose it. And so creating that awareness with them after and that circle back like Kelty was talking about mm-hmm. can really be helpful to be like, okay, what can we do? It's so normal she would scream. It's so normal you scream. And then mm-hmm. it's so normal I might scream too and we're all working on it. So mm-hmm. many humans in one room with so much energy. I think when it gets that wow. absurd, it, beca- it becomes the point where you're just like, is this for real? Yeah. Am I a candid camera? Like, what's happening? Everyone's triggering everyone and we're all screaming. Like, at yeah. a certain point, it almost gets funny. It's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Someone yeah. said, can you just come to my house and give me a little pep talk each morning? Oh, sure. You too. Message <laughs> <laughs> kitty. Oh my gosh. I wish we could all be pep talking each other all the time. Cheryl, we want to get to your thing next, but speaking of the self-regulation to even do this with our kids, Mm -hmm. someone had commented today on a post on Instagram. I want to hear more about how you struggle to regulate yourselves and the tools you use to dial back distress. Often when I look at content from gentle parenting thought leaders, it gives me the impression that these people are perfect and makes the advice feel unattainable. Mm -hmm. I mess up so often. I'm losing my shit constantly. Tell me how you forgive yourself and get back up. Mm, what a great question. Yeah, I love that. And I think we always say that's the practice. And I think if we're if we don't mention that enough, I'm sorry mm-hmm. that we're practicing too, that we absolutely do lose our shit sometimes. And that mm-hmm. the times we do lose our shit is okay and good because it helps us build awareness of what contributed to that how we want to lean in differently, how we can show up differently, how we can backtrack that timeline a little and be like, Ooh, I'm feeling tight. Ooh, I'm feeling tense. Ooh, I made a terse comment. I'm going to take a breath. I'm, I'm noticing. Out. I'm struggling already. I'm going to say everyone, I'm starting to struggle and I say it out loud and that helps me key into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of those moments were hijacked like our kids are. And we say, that's when I, we didn't notice. That's when I can't yeah. not won't. I just couldn't. And that's when we circle back hard yeah. right later. But other moments were in that, in that spectrum of awareness of I'm saying these things and I know I shouldn't say them and I really don't want to say them and it's not feeling good. And that awareness is 
Amazing. And that's where we can start creating that pause, mm -hmm. right? That space where we're noticing and we're realizing and we're attuning somatically to our body mm -hmm. before we react, before we respond. Or we right. respond a little and then we dial it back. Then we notice. From noticing, yeah. gosh, I just barked or gosh, I just grabbed something from them, or gosh, I just corrected kind of tersely, or I noticed a thought in my mind that was like, yeah. this is ridiculous, or they shouldn't do that. And then we go into our self-regulation okay. to be able to co-regulation mode, right? So I take a personal time out instead when I want to give my kids one. I love you so much. I'm struggling to support you. I'll be right back. Bye-bye-bye, right? right? Before we're angry, mm -hmm. right? Or I take a couple deep breaths, or I tap my legs to help ground myself, or I'll just, just start I stop doing looking at the mess that's happening. And I just look out the window for a minute. I look at my nails yeah. for a minute or sometimes I'll just be like, okay, okay, <clears throat> okay. And I start saying, okay. And that's calming my body a little bit and reminding me this is okay. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And if I can lean in with that belief, I must show up a little bit better than if I'm thinking and feeling in my body, this is not okay. This is wrong. Right? So little by little, we're working through, mm -hmm. It's not a perfect process. Mm -hmm. It's not something that happens overnight, right? This is the practice of saying, I'm working on this. I'm trying this, right? Little by little, right? What did this person say? Someone said, every time my five-year-old gets hurt, he hits and gets so mad, oh, especially yeah. his four-year-old brother. How do I stop this? And it's that's such a, a normal situation for a child to experience when they get hurt. They're surprised and they go into a fight, flight, freeze, freak out response which in this case sounds like this five-year-old goes into fight mode. So where a, a like little stub your toe, watch out everyone. They've got some stressors going on, some stress in their yeah. body. And then they stub their toe they or they slip off their bike or they bump their head. And then it's just like, oh my God, from zero to a hundred. Mm -hmm. And that is basically the stress. It was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back type mm -hmm. of situation. So there's not a lot that you can or should have to do about it right now. Except to keep say, everyone safe. You don't have to stop it. Yeah. It's okay to, to let it happen and to try to be around a little more mm -hmm. and to try to be on your toes a little more. Mm -hmm. But this is temporary. This is not forever. Well, and it's them hitting their younger mm -hmm. brother and going for their younger brother. So be around it, a little bit more knowing it's not forever. It's not forever. And that you, mm -hmm. it's okay if they're lashing out. It's okay mm -hmm. if they're aggressive. It's okay if they're struggling mm -hmm. and upset. And you just want to, you'll be that support person that says, you got feelings to get out. Oh, oh my gosh, that must have hurt. hurt. You oh. really upset about that. I get that. And I'm going to keep blocking. I'm going to mm -hmm. move your younger brother. Mm -hmm. I will work. Uh, so not just in the moment to deescalate and keep everyone mm -hmm. safe. But then after I'm going to say to the younger brother, sometimes your brother will get hurt or he's stressed out. And then he'll just kind of flip the switch. Have you noticed that? Sometimes if he like sometimes if something he's frustrated about his toy or if he gets hurt for a second right. and then all of a sudden he turns on you and he's like attacking you. I'm sure you've noticed It's not that. that he wants to attack you. He's just feeling so out of control in his body. His body is like <sighs> hit things, hurt people. He's mm -hmm. not thinking about it because he loves you and he wouldn't want to hurt you, but yeah. he's not thinking. He's just acting. So we can tell right. the four-year-old brother, sometimes when I see your brother get upset or be working on something that where he might get hurt, I think to myself, I might need to be a little farther away. Maybe I should back up a little bit, get a little space. Maybe get a little space. So we're modeling instead of being like, you know, you should just back up. Or if he gets upset, run the other way. We're saying, I wonder, and this is what I've been thinking as, as, as his mom and your mom too. 
I wonder if that would help, but I'm going to try to be there to support him and to support you. And I'm sorry if I'm not there. Sometimes mm -hmm. he, he loses it and gets really frustrated and hurts you. And Before I'm so sorry. I can be there. Yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry. And this parent said, guess it's so sad. And mm -hmm. it's sad and it's hard, but I think so much about it is our, the way we respond to it and how we're portraying it mm -hmm. to this younger child and to the, the brother who is struggling to snap really fast, like mm -hmm. who will go from zero to 100 that fast. It's developmentally normal. It's hard, but it's okay. It's not meaning that they're going to have... Um, anger issues, anger issues and rage issues as an adult. None of that stuff necessarily is true at all. It's just that this is what they're experiencing right now when they're super stressed out and then pushed beyond. Yeah. This is their it's, meltdown. It's a, it's a good reminder that they might have anger issues if we shut it down. Mm -hmm. They might have anger issues in the future if we punish mm -hmm. it. They might have anger issues if we say, why would you hurt your brother? and focus on just the behavior and the actions of this child who's dysregulated. So the, how can we avoid our children having anger issues down the line? And that answer mm -hmm. is to lean into their self-awareness, lean into what they're <clears throat> needing, which feels so permissive in the moment when our kids are wigging out, when they're saying harsh words, when they're bopping their baby brothers, all the things saying, what are you needing? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? What caused this? Where did this discomfort come from? Mm -hmm. And if we can get into that root, we can help build self-awareness. We can help build language. We can help build self-regulation skills. Right. And for those kids who are a little more sensitive to that mm -hmm. question asking and innovating with mm -hmm. them in partnership, we can be doing that on our own and mm -hmm. thinking, gosh, my five-year-old, before they snap, what mm -hmm. is their body needing? Could I get them some nervous system regulation, you know, with movement and jumping and twisting and whatever, or, or some one-on-one -on -one time with mm -hmm. me, or a way to giggle and let off some of their stress that's not going to be triggered into a rage situation right now. Mm -hmm. But I think, again, we have to keep remembering that our kids' like rage issues are the same as when they cried when they were babies. They're not turning into sociopaths. Mm -hmm. They're not terrible people. They're literally just crying inside like when they were babies. And the way they're expressing that is the way a five-year-old would developmentally. Mm -hmm. So they just, they go immediately to rage because that's what their brains and their prefrontal cortex or lack thereof is telling them to do. It's okay. So again, the more safety we create around it, the more awareness we build and language or we just build, the more neutral we are. Even just not even neutral. in the moment, but the language and awareness we build outside the moment about ourselves, mm -hmm. about situations, about things, that's all mm -hmm. putting into their emotional intelligence banks that's going to help them when they experience stress. Instead of waiting until it hits the point where it's going to explode, they're going to notice and get themselves the help that their body needs and their mind needs before that happens. And that comes from us checking in too. Yeah. Like, okay, so working back from the explosion point, what was happening five minutes before that for ourselves yeah. or for our kids? What was happening 10 minutes before that? Right. Am I noticing any signs in my own body or in my child? Right? How can I be checking in? I've noticed you're kind of a little with your brother. Or I noticed when I said, do you want water? You were like, no. And I wondered, What's your body needing? Were you actually thirsty? Maybe a little fresh air would help. What do you think? So we're building this attunement mm -hmm. to their body and their needs, right? Early on and thinking about preparation and prevention. Mm -hmm. So they don't totally lose it at a certain point, but they're working on that awareness up to that point. And not with a pressured way of saying, mm -hmm. you need to find a way to express that better. Mm -hmm. But just saying, that didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Are there other ways to feel better if you want I'm here. I'm here to support you. Yeah. But I think on this journey, like, like you talk about that, it's so easy for us to just be like, you need to find a better way to express. And I think instead of saying, yeah. change the way you're expressing in this moment, we can be thinking as parents, 
Where are the outlets earlier? Yeah. Where are the opportunities to be venting this stress of holding it together all day at fucking like elementary school or being at grandma's or being cooped up inside and then going outside? Where are the spots that we can help them Mm -hmm. get that out with laughing, spinning, giggling, twirling, getting pressed and pressured? Our kids' bodies are showing us what they're needing. And if it's losing it emotionally, let them find those outlets earlier if we can. Mm-hmm. If we can't, it's good feedback. It's good information. Being like, oh, maybe could have leaned into that a little bit earlier. Catch them around the circle the oh, next sure. time. Yeah. So one of the last things I think before we head off tonight, Cheryl said, hi, ladies, I have a question for you. My sensitive and spirited nine-year-old has been struggling these past few weeks. We're mid-home improvement projects, which is stressful for all of us. And he's been able to share his feelings around this beautifully. I mentioned this since it, uh, I think it's a factor, but the main area where he's struggling is around wanting to control our behavior in public. Mm-hmm. What I mean is he becomes irritated and stressed when his sister sings, dances, generally makes any noise in public. It also extends to me and his dad. We talk quote unquote too loud or quote unquote say random annoying things and he gets visibly frustrated or embarrassed. I've read that nine is a time of transition from the realm of magical and child-centric dream world to being more aware Mm -hmm. they are part of the larger world. I want to be sensitive to his feelings, but also want him to understand that he can't control others' behaviors. Mm -hmm. He shared that it really stresses him out, and I can see that. I also don't want him to shut down his sister and make her feel like she can't be herself. He also doesn't want to go to the bus stop with dad and sister because, quote, they shout out random things. We dealt with this our whole trip to the coast the past few days, and it was Mm -hmm. exhausting. Dad is less inclined to reel it in because he feels like our son is overreacting and he should be able to be himself. We repaired and are in a better place today, but I feel that we, uh, that we're going to be in this for a while. Any ideas, thoughts, Mm -hmm. loving vibes, welcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, I mean, I think overreacting is a term that we can definitely think Mm -hmm. when our kids are using controlling behaviors when they're saying our toddlers are saying don't sit there sit there or mm-hmm. i don't want you papa i want you mama or not this yeah. blue spoon this red spoon or don't cut it this way or that way mm-hmm. and then our older kids all of this is developmental the way they express these controlling behaviors this mm-hmm. nine-year-old is saying don't say that don't say that mm-hmm. so loud i'm embarrassed mm-hmm. to be around you don't don't do this right mm-hmm. and i think all of that remember we have to remember controlling behaviors are when kids feel out of control and i love that cheryl this mom is saying I get it. There's a lot going on at home. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of changes. And yeah. also this age of this child that's nine. Starting to like open any, up and notice. Is starting to notice and perceive yeah. and perspective take and differentiate from his parents, from this attachment, from this unit and this family. And starting to realize um, people are watching. And how am I going to be portrayed? How am I experiencing mm-hmm. other people's experience of me and my family? It's so a lot. Normal. I remember that feeling. We were so very normal. sensitive. And I remember as like young, walking, as through, kids, walking yeah. through Target and dad realizing that we were easy to embarrass and singing like the little mermaid in the like aisles mm-hmm. being like, ah, and we, we were like so uncomfortable. And I think he thought it was like playful and fun, but I remember feeling mortified mm-hmm. by that. Like, I can't be around you. I, I don't feel trust right now. This is feeling like an assault to me. And I'm feeling very unsafe mm-hmm. by, by other people's gazes. Mm-hmm. 
my daughter, time. my daughter's eight and yeah. will say like, why are you doing it? She'll t- uh, do that to her brother and be like, she'll stop, rein in stop the boys. and rein him in. If the boys and get then, a little physical at the yeah, store, and she'll be like, you guys, stop, and if stop. I'm going to talk to somebody or do something, she'll say, mom, no, no, mom, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I have to realize that it might be coming from her stress or her mm-hmm. anxiety. And it's also coming from her beautiful perceptiveness mm-hmm. that she's observing so much and noticing and trying to balance those things. Mm-hmm. And again, this isn't a coworker. This isn't a neighbor. This isn't a friend. This is the child that we're raising. And we have to <clears throat> say, how can I work with and support mm-hmm. not just their sensitivity, but their stress right now? Mm-hmm. What can I do? If they were scared right. of everything, like, would we be reacting differently? I think we would, but I think anxiety or controlling behaviors feel a little bit more irksome and a little mm-hmm. are a little bit harder to say there's a yeah. fear here there's a true I'm anxiety here yeah there's um they feel manipulative and coercive they make us resist there's something vulnerable at yeah. play here it's harder to grab onto that when we're being barked orders at or mm-hmm. controlled around um right. yeah and i think that I think our kids will know, all of our kids will know that they can't control other people's behaviors. And I don't think we need to be the people to say, so I'm not going to change mine so that you learn. Or I'm going to tell you, you can't control me or other people. And I know that they're grappling, they're struggling already. I think that puts it into question. Can I change my behavior? If I can in the moment, I'm going to do it to make my child feel more comfortable. If I can't, or I didn't, I'll say, oh, sorry. I was just yelling to Papa across the store to get the cheese or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that made you uncomfortable. I'm so sorry. Mm. Right. I'm not going to say I can yell whenever I want. So get used to it. You get get all fragile and defensive behavior. Or you're not going to be walking on eggshells, not doing anything that you need to do around your nine-year-old to protect them. So much about this is finding that middle way and Mm -hmm. saying, I'm not going to ignore my child's emotional Mm -hmm. needs and, Mm -hmm. and work to reduce their stress. And I'm also not going to completely turn my life upside down to enable their safety, which isn't even necessarily happening. So much about this is, uh, can we show up in the moment that helps Mm -hmm. reduce a little bit of stress, but remember too, that the stress is already there. And what else can we be doing to support that? I love that question is what else can we take off his plate? What else can we streamline and simplify? How else can we give him a sense of control Mm -hmm. in his world when it's feeling a little out of control? Mm-hmm. So all those questions, that's what we can say to him too. I'm so sorry that sometimes in public, you're feeling stressed by things that we do. Mm-hmm. And I really value your feedback. Even if I struggle with it in the moment, sometimes thinking I was doing fine. And then you didn't really like what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. Explain that. What makes Tell you uncomfortable? Me. I want to understand. I, what about I it want to know. You? And they might be even too stressed to even talk about it, or mm-hmm. they might not even be that aware about it, but it's planting a seed of saying you have a sensitivity there's been some anxiety around these things and not mm-hmm. in a shamey, punishy way, but just mm-hmm. in an awareness raising things so that we're on the same page when these things continue to happen. Right. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's hard for a lot of us and especially partners, often male yeah. partners to say, my kid can't control my words. I, my I child cater to this. can't tell mm-hmm. me how to express myself. Like, no. And I think in those moments, we need to get over ourselves and be like, I am the adult here. And that doesn't mean that everything I say goes and I can do whatever I want. My responsibility as the adult and the attachment figure for this person is to try to my best to cater to them and their needs. And there's especially their stressors and anxieties and fears when I'm able, if I'm able. And if this child is experiencing and projecting and showing that stress Mm -hmm. in social situations with Mm -hmm. sibling and parents, what can we do to support them Mm -hmm. that we feel comfortable doing? 
And I think so much is saying just what can I control? And so I don't think that you should necessarily control this nine-year-old's younger sibling mm-hmm. and say, don't twirl, don't this, don't that. I think that they have to do what they need to do. And you're the ally of this nine-year-old to say, oh, you didn't like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. So mm-hmm. someone said providing the language for expression, modeling it as well, as opposed yeah. to saying, well, you're uncomfortable, so say it this way. Instead, we can just say, oh, you didn't like that I said that. I'm so sorry you didn't like that. Or, oh, what daddy did made you feel uncomfortable. Is that right? Maybe that was too oh, loud. Was it was it a little loud? How was it? Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that it's so easy for us to feel like, gosh, feedback from our kids. It's triggering. It's inconvenient. It's perplexing. It's fear-inducing. It can be so many things. And how can we lean into feedback from our kids with a yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Share, tell Securely. more. Securely. Yes. Right. I want to hear yeah. this, even though it's hard, even though <clears throat> I'm like, I'm a little worried about what it means. Tell me more. Because we want our kids to keep telling us what's going on for them. <clears throat> We're not a doormat. We're not hot garbage. We're not their servant. Mm-hmm. But we can still be that safe landing place to absorb and to reflect what they're needing and what they're going through. To the best of our capacity. And I think remembering, too, that like I think that we can easily spiral and be like, if I'm catering to my child in this way, they're going to be the most sensitive little flower. Mm-hmm. And they're never going to be able to handle anyone saying anything or doing anything. And so much about this is just, no, they're just projecting their stress on their family and in these social situations. Mm-hmm. And they're going to move forward and it's going to be okay. This doesn't mean anything bigger than this is how they're stressing out right now. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, right? Um, I, I mean, I just, it, this really takes me back to just so many sensitivities that Kelty and I had as kids. Oh, sure. Where like, you know, our parents were louder. They would throw random things around and they were... Just more bombastic, more loosey goosey socially than, socially we, were. than yeah. we were, and it was very uncomfortable sometimes. They would talk about, you know, we had fewer boundaries. They would talk about our thoughts or our ex- physical experiences or things that happened in front in of front us. Of us. Okay. And to to us, that was very uncomfortable and really mm-hmm. hard. Some kids are so just Impervious. they just don't even mm-hmm. it doesn't even to bother them whatsoever. But so much about this is is a call to say. My child is stressed out. What can I do to reduce their stressors? And also just my my child is sensitive. And how can I accept that and respect that? Continue to work with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. We got to hope that are not alone, that those kids that are constantly controlling us and giving us feedback that we struggle with are going to move into the world to be able to say, Hey, coworker, you know, I'm, I'm really not feeling this thing. Or when, when you said this thing, it made me feel this way. And I think instead of saying, oh my gosh, I don't want them to have trouble with coworkers, so I'm just going to shut this down, not to say you guys were doing that, yeah. but really making it our work and leaning into the fact that if we can help pull out some of the, the underlying needs, if we can tease out what's going on here, we're going to be building skills to arm our kids mm-hmm. in the future where their sensitivities aren't going to go away. Mm-hmm. They will always have the nervous system they have. They will always be as sensitive as they are. And I think that if we can keep our kids... Uh, allyship with their nervous systems instead of feeling at war with them as adults mm-hmm. they will right. actually make more adaptive choices they will actually communicate in a way that even if they're the one coworker who says i have a struggle with this person excuse me i have a struggle with this that's okay because they can do it in a way that feels collaborative and connective right. and respectful Where there's no victim they're right. not a victim and the person that they're asking to adapt for them isn't a victim either and molly i'd love this question mm-hmm. so if our kids are trying to control their siblings' behavior. We just hang back. How do we best support both kiddos? Mm-hmm. And I think we hang back to the to the point where then we feel like we need to step in if any of them are struggling a little more. Mm-hmm. So if the child who's trying to control the siblings is getting more aggressive, 
or if the siblings who are being controlled are experiencing that in a maybe tricky way. And again, we don't just say, oh, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But again, we're going to go in as awareness building, sensitive support staff to say, you don't want them to sit that close to you. Okay. And then we'd say, how do you feel about that? Where again, we're just talking needs here. So mm-hmm. much beautiful skill building and awareness building about needs. You, all, those, all those moments we want to say, stop, stop, use your words, be nice. That's not how we treat each other. Right. When one kid or says, get over it, get away whatever. from me. We say, sounds like you're needing some space. And the other one goes, I just want to be here. And I just want, sounds like you want to stay where you're sitting and you want to be at this table too. We're neutral and we're just, and then, what can we do? Yeah. Right. What can we do? Everyone? <clears throat> right? So we're translating the needs, right? Helping them understand what's going on. No one's the victim. No one's the aggressor. It's just needs not yet met, right? Needs, 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 needs. Yep. Last one. Someone said, hi, I had two boys, two and three year old. How do I start reconciliation that they will understand in their level? They've been fighting and hitting each other a lot lately. Thanks. Oh, mm-hmm. our sibling guide, which is mm-hmm. on sale. I think this week yeah. we talk a lot about the sibling challenges and how, oh my goodness, two and three years old, so normal that they would be hitting each other. They would like be struggling. <laughs> oh my gosh. So normal and natural. Our goal yeah. again is not harmony, right? And, and no fighting. Our goal is connection and understanding about needs. And, and that's think, our goal. I think reconciliation is built from that. Yeah. Reconciliation is built from our normalizing conflict. Mm-hmm. And even speaking for them and not like, I'm going to speak for you or your brother, but saying, I'm so sorry that you were hit, or I'm so mm-hmm. sorry that you couldn't stop your hands. Mm-hmm. You were needing this and you were needing this. And it, when it, in those moments, when we're able to normalize and bring a neutral, if not even positive association to a conflict. That's reconciling it. Mm-hmm. That in itself is a reconciliation and it doesn't have to happen with, I'm sorry I hit you, or I'm sorry I said that, which made you hit me. All those words that I think we've been conditioned to think, you must say, I'm sorry, or I was wrong. Kids and don't need to know that right away. None of that has to happen here. Right? I think reconciliation comes from a foundation of mutual understanding mm-hmm. and unconditional regard, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we pour into those moments. That's what we steep mm-hmm. in those moments when we're able. Our influence is huge, especially yeah. with those really young kids. And even with the older kids who've gotten into kind of cycles of sibling fighting or different situations, mm-hmm. we have so much power and privilege and we get to use that in a way that informs how our kids learn to think about themselves, one another, conflict, yeah. challenges, communication, all of those things. But everyone's like, but I'm so triggered in the moment when my two and three-year-olds are hitting each other. And I think if we can keep coming back to the belief that that's their job, that it's okay, that, that how they learn. this is them bopping each other and doing what they need to do based on their brain development and their skill level, it's all okay. All of us were conditioned to believe if we have kids that hit each other, something's wrong with us or with them. Yeah. This is bad. This is not good. I don't want to raise a hitter. I don't want to raise a, a bully, a, a bully mm-hmm. or something. So I got to like nip this in the bud. This yeah. cannot keep happening. And I think that's the big flip that we need to be continuing to work on as parents of two and three year olds or 10 and 12 year olds, whatever the age is, is saying what I'm seeing right now has to be okay for me to lean into it in a way that's going to make it better and not worse. That's going to help build a a comfortable and safe space around growth through challenge. Right. Right. All of our, our kids behavior, especially towards one another in those Mm -hmm. early years is about learning and experimenting or about expressing stress. Mm -hmm. So it's all okay. And we can show up uh, the best we can with calm, 
composure. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to practice that too. It's not going to happen overnight. And I think the biggest takeaway for two and three year olds who are beaten on each other mm-hmm. is to just remember that we need to be close by more mm-hmm. often and that we need to stop those impulses lovingly before they get all the way through. Noticing those That's, signs when we're yeah. often like here a little squawk and we're like, la la la, I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> yeah. They're big enough now. They don't usually hurt each other, but sometimes and be nearby or thinking bit. after they mm-hmm. shouldn't have done that. One of you, th- these are not like 35 year old <laughs> people. These are two and three year old little, little tiny beings. They need our support to not say what they're supposed to do, but to show through safety, through stopping hands, through lovingly moving bodies. Mm-hmm. They need that physical support mm-hmm. consistently, right? Yeah. They need that for less. So, so hard though, even the 35 yeah. year olds out there bopping people and doing stuff because yeah. they didn't get that support, yeah. right? They don't have that awareness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're exhausted. Mm-hmm. We're grateful. We're really happy to be back. It's mm-hmm. been a long month yeah. and we've missed you all on the podcast and on Instagram and we've had a lot of family stuff going on and a lot yeah. of big juggles and um, had our, our fair share of stressful stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so we're extra grateful that you're coming here to, to share yours mm-hmm. and hope that we could have been of help to you. Someone mm-hmm. said, thank you so much. I learned a lot. I'll put that into action. Sending love from the Philippines. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Sending love right back. Thank you all. Mm-hmm. Download our resist approach, our freedoms model, reach out, uh, DM us with any questions you've got going on. Um, we're here. We'd love to support you. Um, we're all growing up together, right? We're all in this together. Um, what are you typing? What oh, you I was just liking some little people saying oh, thank you. And thank you. Thanks for all these sweet wishes. Amy and Lauren and we everyone. all of you. Feels so good to Feels see really you all. We appreciate you all too. Thanks, Molly. Big hearts, Molly. My fingers are like too big to push this tiny, these tiny little like heart. They're like heart buttons now <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> for those listening on the podcast. We can't keep up with all this technology. It's just too much. It's too much. It's too fancy. All, right. all of you out there raising yourselves, raising babies, raising partners, raising in-laws, right? Raising your consciousness, one challenge, one conflict at a time. We see you, you're not alone. We're all in this together. We're all growing up together. Thank you for being here. This is the practice, progress over perfection. Absolutely. All right, see y'all soon. See you all soon, bye.